Two new transfer portal commitments and Mark Ivey and Dion Branch back on the Louisville Cardinals staff for next year. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Locked on Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I want to take this time to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. Joined today by my good friend and um, co-founder and current editor of the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast and CardinalSportsZone.com. Jeremy, how's it going? What's going on, man? It's sounding <clears throat> a little rough today. You gonna get, we're going to yeah. get through this? Yeah, my sinuses have been acting up, which they do, um, you know, when the weather gets really cold every year. So I'm going I, to. I like, I like the deeper voice, man. It makes you sound like you're finally hitting puberty. <laughs> well, that, it's close to my announcing voice. So, um, But regardless, I'll make it through. A lot to talk about on today's episode of the show. Uh, two new transfer portal commitments on Monday. Um, uh, two defensive backs, Devin Neal and Miles Slusher. We'll also talk about uh, Mark Ivey and Dion Branch. It being announced on Tuesday that both of those coaches will be back for next year. And then we'll do a little bit of a different segment and talk about what are some realistic expectations for Jeff Brom in year one of his tenure here at Louisville. Jeremy's starting out two new additions um, from the portal, which if you have been following Louisville recruiting, the Cardinals basically just got two other additions on the defensive line. Now two safeties, uh, two defensive backs, I should say. Devin Neal Jr. from Baylor, Miles Slusher from Arkansas. Of the six commitments that Jeff Brom has currently gotten, now granted, you need to realize that this is recorded on Tuesday evening. The six commitments that he has gotten thus far have all been on the defensive side of the football. Is that coincidence to you, or is this kind of a uh, pointing the finger to Jeff Brom maybe not necessarily being um, – uh, fond of the lack of depth in the defensive room. I mean, I, I think it can be a little bit of both. I mean, uh, there's there it, there's no secret that we've had a couple guys graduate, a couple guys leave, uh, and Jeff did exactly what we wanted him to do, and that was to reload on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so I, I think it can it can be a little bit of both, and I think he did a, he's done a wonderful job so far. Of course, tomorrow morning, uh, well, as this airs this morning, signing day, um, letters are going to come early and they're going to come quick, and we're going to have a lot of them because we're going to oh, it's the it's the greatest day, one of the greatest days of the year. You're going to have commit flips. You're going to have commit. You're going to get somebody out of the blue that you weren't even thinking about. It's, it's the best day. Uh, I can still remember back when we got Lorenzo Malden when uh, we were doing National Signing Day coverage for, for CSC. And uh, I'm like, who the heck is Lorenzo Malden? Why, why is he committing to Louisville? And thank God we got him. What a, what a great out-of-the-blue pickup. But that's just part of the ex- – and normally mm-hmm. those type of surprises don't hit until the February signing day. Right. But now with the early NIL and the early signing day, uh, you're going to have just as much excitement. So, yes, I, I think he was addressing the needs in the in the in on the defensive side of the ball. 
but I also think like he's known for offense. So what's the best flex you can have? Oh, you come in and and you get a you you get some grad transfers that can play on the defense side of the ball, and it, it just shows that you mean business. More specifically for these defensive backs, obviously um, he had two defensive linemen, um, Stephen Heron and Rodney McGraw. We talked about that in the most recent episode, so check that out. Um, but Devin Neal, more of a safety, um, I would assume probably will you know be in the mix of you know, competing for the two deep because, you know, you have MJ Griffin, you have Josh Meekins Jr., so on and so forth. Uh, Miles Slusher is the one that I'm really excited about. I asked a friend of mine that is around the Arkansas uh, football program, and essentially he told me that uh, it was a big loss for Arkansas, um, one of the bright spots on a secondary that wasn't all that great last season um, and definitely was going to be a guy that um, would play right away for the Cardinals. Now, granted, a lot of times when players transfer out of a program, it is kind of an instinctive thing to do for those fans to kind of bash that player or kind of downplay the loss. Like, oh, we'll be fine. This isn't going to matter that much. We have a replacement. It seems like there's two schools of thought for Arkansas. Number one, this is a big loss. And number two, of all places to go, the Louisville Cardinals are the place to go here. I mean, Jeremy, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that this is a possible all-ACC-level addition to the Cardinals' defense to a secondary that needed some help. No, absolutely. Uh, I think that's spot on because this is, we're talking about a position that for the first half of the year we were uh, – we, we, had, we had a guy that wasn't playing up to his all-ACC level. And then we had a guy that was getting burnt all the time, but he was giving his full heart and soul and his full effort. And anytime you can plug somebody in, um, Slusher, he's an Arkansas kid. He is. Anytime yeah. you can plug in a, a potential preseason all ACC, all American like that, or all ACC first team, or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's huge. And I think that this kid. Like as excited as we were to get Brownlee as in exchange for Greedy Vance last year, which I think we would all would have rather kept Greedy. But uh, as excited as we were to get Brownlee last year, I'm ten times more excited to get Slusher. I think this is one of those defensive transfers that you look at. Um, I'm trying to think of the the players um, that Louisville's brought in defensively that have been extremely solid from the transfer portal. Um, over the past 10 years or so. Help me out on that. I know Devontae Fields was an instant impact guy. Oh, Devontae um, Fields. Uh, Josh Harvey Clemens. Josh Harvey Clemens started Shaq right away. Wiggins. Shaq Wiggins. Uh, um, there, there's more. We, we, for, yeah. For like four seasons yeah. straight, we were like last chance. Momo Sonogo. That, that's another yeah, one. Well, there that, you go. But needless to say, I think he's a player that when you look back after next season, that there's a good chance that if he stays healthy, that you look at it and think, okay, this is a player that you took from the transfer portal and plugged in right away, and you saw an extremely solid addition. And for a guy that plays a corner in the slot against fast receivers, that that is something that we're going to look at and and, uh, be very grateful for. The other guy, Devin Neal Jr. from Baylor, um, a rotational guy 
for the Bears over the past couple seasons. Um, but the interesting thing to me, we talk about Jeff Brom really, really improving the city of Louisville and the state of Kentucky recruiting-wise. Um, a lot of people didn't know it. Devin Neal is from Lexington, from Frederick Douglass High School. So um, yeah. Frederick Douglass has been a place that has been very, very good to the University of Kentucky. Uh, Dane Key, for example, if you're following their team now. Um, for Brom to continue this um, local, and really it's not even local as much as it is statewide. I mean, uh, Sadiq Clemens from Henderson County. Um, getting players from all across the city and the state, both from the regular recruiting in high school and also the transfer portal, I didn't know that we would be getting this many local guys right off the bat. No, and even with Herring coming back home, uh, there's rumblings of Milton Wright up at, I think he's at Purdue, Mm -hmm. trying to figure things out to get back here. Like, none of these kids wanted to leave the city. I agree. That's one thing that, you know, and again, I'm I'm not going to be one of these people that just uh, completely destroys – Coach Satterfield, because uh, I truly believe he did think he was doing the best he could do. But he just, even with our contacts that we had on the staff, it took everything. It took everything in my body to convince them that they needed to, to take Selah Brown. Like there was a point in time when their Sat doesn't think he's that impressive. I tried to get them to take Ricky Barbie, Ricky Barber Jr. twice. Both times, and now look at what he's doing. He becomes an all-conference player. Like he, uh, where did he go first? I know he ended up. Oh, at South Florida. So, if, so he goes Central to South Florida. Florida. No, not South Florida. Central Florida. Mm-hmm. No, where did he, where did he, oh Western? He played at Western. He started out at Western, then he transferred yeah, yeah. to Central Florida this it. past year. He was all-conference at Western. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, can you put me put me in touch with coach? I get him to court. Court takes him to Scott. Scott's like, no, I'm I'm good. And then he's he he uh, goes to Central Florida, and it's the same situation when he when he announces. Oh, sorry, the first time was when he was from high school. The second time he, he it was, and it was Court both times I talked to, and uh, the second right. time it was like, well, he doesn't think Ricky's big enough. Uh, then he dominated the 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 conference that Central Florida the uh, the AAs or what I don't I don't care. He dominated two different conferences. Set didn't look at him twice. Set did not want to take Selah. I told them if you do not take this young man, first off, he's going to be great at the next level. Right. Secondly, if you don't take him because of your personal reasons, you are going to get ran out of town. Mm, I'm not full credit for him being a Louisville Cardinal, but I do believe after speaking with Coach uh, Coach Dennison at the time that uh, my feedback was was well listened to. So he he just he just did refused. He let so many kids go to that school down the road. Um, but recruiting in general for the Cardinals um, on Tuesday got a little positive news. Mark Ivy. Dion Branch back on the staff for next year. We'll talk about that here in just a second. After we talk about our friends over <clears throat> at Bet Online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Gosh, this is difficult. <laughs> 
Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Moving right on along into the second segment with Cardinal Sports Zone co-founder and editor Jeremy Wallman. Jeremy, Mark Ivey, Dion Branch, back on the staff. Um, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of people thought that it was kind of up in the air for Dion Branch. We hadn't heard no, but we hadn't, hadn't heard yes. Mark Ivey, um, a lot of people after that performance on Saturday in the uh, Wasabi Fenway Bowl were publicly advocating for the Cardinals to bring Ivy back in whatever role you can. Put him at defensive coordinator. Put him at defensive line coach, linebacker coach. You name it, you have to have him on the staff. Um, there were rumblings that if he were to leave, so would some other big-time players on that Cardinal defense, um, which does seem to be like that would have been the case. Um, but regardless, it was announced on Tuesday, shockingly, that Mark Ivy is back. Jeremy, talk about why this is so huge for the Cardinals moving forward. Yeah, and I'll get I'll give your voice a little bit of a rest because I got a lot to say on both people. Mark Ivy, uh, yeah, take the floor, take us into the third segment. <laughs> that, that situation is unlike any situation I've ever seen before. I was told straight up um, that none of Sat's coaching staff was going to be retained, and almost instantly um, after or for the days leading into the bowl and the days after the bowl. You saw all the parents advocating for him to come back, the fans saying they got to come back, the players. I know for a fact two of our key players um, that were entertaining other offers because they thought that Ivy was not going to be retained, and he was. Mark Ivy got so much publicity during the bowl game itself from him fighting. play fighting with the players pregame or whatever, whatever you want to call that all the way to triple H uh, 16, uh, 14 time champion, triple H. I probably messed up on that 15 time champion, triple H uh, from the WWE uh, retweeted something along the lines where ESPN was saying he looked just like triple H and he doesn't really at all. He looks more like Sheamus than triple H. If you watch wrestling, if you don't, then just disregard what I just said. But so much publicity. I, I'm not sure at that point that you uh, you can afford to cut somebody like that. And especially since this man, I don't know how much he had to do with the defensive game plan uh, uh, during the bowl game. Again, like we talked the last time, I didn't have any expectations of the bowl game. Both teams are are, are missing a bunch of players that opted out. Both both coaches opted out um, to an extent before we got our, both teams got their new coaches. Nevertheless, I don't know how much he had to do with the, on the defensive side of the ball, but um, just his motivation, the stuff he does pregame, his Cardinal Party postgame. Like I'm hyped every time I I listen to that and hearing Dion say in the postgame of the bowl game, this may be his last. Actually, I think he said one for one last time. Let's get this celebration going. So I think even he thought at that point um, that Ivy was gone, and and I'm glad he's not. I think he is a positive uh, motivator for these young men, and uh, I'm glad to see that that 
that that worked out with Dion. Dion's a close personal friend of mine. Um, just going into my conversation with him, and this, I don't do this on my on our show because y'all are like, ah, eh, flex. But I, I'll flex on your show, no problem. Uh, I sent him a text the morning of the bowl. I was like, man, I know it's cold, but good luck out there. He's like, I'm going to try to get this W for y'all. I congratulated him after the game, told him I was very, very proud. Glad to have you here. He said, yes, sir. I appreciate that, bro. Had a blast with these young men. I said, you coming back next year under your original position? And uh, this is on Sunday. I saw how big of a difference you made during every game. And that's something I want to say before I finish the conversation. Dion was is employed by the university, not by the football team. So it's one of those situations where they have created a position because they know how valuable he is to the program. So a lot of people are like, well, he wasn't he did a good job for being an office employee and this and that. Make no mistake about it. Every time Malik got down, they panned to the sidelines. You can see Dion with his arm around him. Anytime um any of the running backs fumbled. He had his arm around him. Anytime anything negative was going on, Dion was there to motivate him. Uh, but again, I asked, you know, are you coming back this season? And he said, that's the plan. So um, he, sorry. So he, so I think he knew he was coming back at that point. I, um, I know that he didn't want to be a full-time head coach. So that's why he's still in this position, but I'm, I am over the moon happy for him. I know how, how much he enjoyed, like he'd never been a head coach before and he was able to hop into that, that role under the most horrible conditions and pull out a, a, we pulled out a W. I mean, we ran the ball down their throat and pulled out a W. So I'm very, very happy about both men being retained. Uh, Again, really Dion didn't get retained because he's on the, the university payroll, but uh, I like it. I know we've not heard a whole bunch about the new staff because Purdue and uh, Purdue still got a bowl game. So some of the guys that are come down going to come down here from Purdue uh, that didn't want to announce anything because they didn't want to be a distraction are, are still yet to be here. So uh, if you're a football nerd like me and like Dalton and like uh, so many others I know, the next few weeks are going to be awesome. We're going to hear about new coaches being named, new players being named. Um, we're going to get expectations, which I know we're going to talk about in the last segment. Uh-huh. And it's going to be a fun time. I mean, we just can't do people. I implore you. We cannot do like we did with Satterfield and like we've done with, with Coach, Coach Payne so far and get a coach and then just have insane expectations for them every year. Teams are going to slip up. They're going to lose games they're not supposed to lose. Um, more so on the football side with that comment. Um, just got to have patience. Got to have faith. We we were very impatient, rightfully so. Uh, with Satterfield, I feel like we are just getting into our groove with him. And, and, and I would have been okay had he been a co- our coach another season. But I'm glad things happened the way that they did. So, yeah, I mean, we kept the two two guys. Honestly, if you'd have asked me last week, if you can keep any two guys on uh, on the sideline for Louisville, I would have said, oh, uh, I want Ivy and Branch. And that's exactly uh, who who was kept. You mentioned expectations. That is a perfect segue into the final segment. No, I've done this before, Dalton. 
there you go. Uh, we'll do that here in just a second. Um, if you're listening to this on certain streaming services, you're not going to hear these audio implemented advertisements. If you're watching this, you definitely are not. So uh, just be patient and stay tuned. But regardless, thanks again for making Locked On the Louisville your first listen. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today, the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, or available on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Sorry, I was used to the old read, but regardless, um, final segment with Cardinal Sports Zone co-founder and editor Jeremy Wallman. As you can tell, my voice getting worse and worse by the minute. So I do apologize for the <clears throat> the rough sound coming out of my vocal cords. I but, like it. Um, I get to talk more. So <clears throat> I, hope, I hope your voice gets worse throughout the rest of the show. <laughs> it probably will. Um, but quickly before we end the show, talking about expectations for year one under Jeff Rom, as you mentioned, you can't get too insane. Sure, the expectations are going to be high for his tenure. Um, there's a lot to be excited about. The schedule – I mean, I don't think it's as tough as it was this year. And the transfer portal allows you to essentially eliminate any type of rebuild, which I don't think Louisville's in a position to rebuild at all. Jeremy, realistic expectations for year one under Coach Brom? Uh, 14-0. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. I believe believe you're correct. You don't have – with NIL and the transfer portal, you don't have to – rebuild you can reload and i feel like so far that's what we've seen um right everybody just sets the win total at eight i think that's especially with a a first time quarterback which we still don't know there's been some rumblings of who the the experienced quarterback's going to be that comes in uh and you don't have to be a uh, you don't have to be an electrician or a plumber to figure it out you can, uh, you can, you know, do do the research, but I have a feeling that that Pierce is going to play a lot this year. So we that that's why I don't want to get. I say eight. I think seven should probably be the win the win total. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Satterfield got us more than that. Well, you know what? This ain't Coach Satterfield, and at the end of the day, he still is going to have to implement his offense. Uh, and in his defensive philosophies, you you gotta you gotta take in consideration a learning curve. You've got to take in consideration the fact that we're we're sitting here on December the twentieth, and we still don't know who the grad transfer. Maybe somebody will be playing in a bowl game. That makes me feel a lot better because he's led his team to success. But these things can change. That that's why it's so hard not to get off on another tangent. But people like Dalton and myself to get information before a whole lot of other people. And we share it with our teammates. And then two days later, something else happens. That's because with NIL, that has made what we do a lot more difficult. Things change so much more quickly. I mean, for example, DeAndre Moore, just in the last 24 hours, has been, and this is not, an exaggeration has for sure been going to Louisville six times and for sure been going to Texas six times by people up there that know. Yeah. I mean, there's, 
and this is airing on signing day. Actually, it publishes at midnight on signing day. So there's a chance that if you listen to this in the morning, with DeAndre Moore being on the West Coast, you probably won't hear about it until after you listen to this show. So who knows what he's going to do? I think context-wise right now, there's no telling what DeAndre Moore will do. Um, but regardless, before we get out of here, Jeremy, didn't mean to cut you short. No, you're good. Realist, realistic floor, realistic ceiling for the team next year. Okay. realistic everything. Realistic floor, I think seven wins. Okay. Realistic ceiling. Realistic ceiling. <coughs> Gosh, it's so difficult. Uh, Don't you predict 15-0. and 0. Don't do it. No, t- I think regular season. I think ten and two is the ceiling. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that. I mean, I don't want to put the um, the cart before the horse um, because you still have to play the games. And talking about this on December twenty first, I mean, obviously things change. You still have to do what you have to do in the transfer portal, um, deliver on signing day, so on and so forth, keep healthy and stuff like that. But looking at the schedule, um, Kentucky and. Um, Notre Dame, probably the two hardest games next year. Outside of that, I think all the games, as of right now, I believe are pretty winnable. So I think 10 wins is a good ceiling, um, regardless of how you slice it. Seven wins, I'd probably go six and six as the the realistic four, because four, I'm thinking like the very worst. I think that six and six is probably the very worst we go. But um, regardless, the moral of the story here, don't let your expectations be driven by your excitement. Try right. to uh, look at this from a realistic standpoint. So, um, but Jeremy, I really appreciate you saving me on this episode. There's no way I could have gone 27 minutes or so of me talking alone. So, Jeremy, I'll because what I'm she so said. appreciative of you, I'll give you one chance here to uh, plug in your social media and give any parting thoughts. <laughs> Thank you for being so generous, Mr. Oh, you're Pence. welcome. Uh, uh, yeah, you can follow me. Follow me on well. You, Dalton's already got the Twitter. That's my same as Instagram down there. It's at Jeremy underscore CSC. The website's at Card Sport Zone. Uh, we'll have great signing day coverage for you throughout the day today. So make sure you're lo- locked on to those uh, Twitters. And uh, we'll give you a show. And then the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast. You can find that on all the podcast avenues. I like that better. Uh, that's the way it's okay, here you go. Natural. Um, you, you can find that on any of the uh, there's 125 and all podcast avenues: Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, all of them. No, I don't like that at all. Uh, I don't like that one at all. But uh, yeah, you can follow us. Follow us in any of those places. We're gonna have a special episode coming up. Coming up soon. I've talked to to our guy Earl Clark no less than six times in the last week, asking him when would be a good day. We're, we're the plan is to have two more episodes before the new year, one with Mike Rutherford from Card Chronicle and Earl Clark, uh, all time Louisville great, and the the last one will just be a wrap. I, I like to give everybody a couple weeks off at the end of the year so they can relax with their families and no stress, no pressure. So just stay tuned for those. And as always, thanks again for making us your first listen of the day. That's going to wrap up this, um, I guess, really signing day eve episode because obviously this has no coverage of signing day. But the next episode, we'll talk about signing day and what all happened on Wednesday. So everyone have a great day. Um, Relax and try to enjoy it. And we will see you right back here tomorrow.
tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>